Welcome to the Vici Mundum Show, a ministry of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia. Recording. So, so you had a qu- wait. You had a question, though. He had a question. He had a question. He had a question. Let's hear it. How did you know by the look on my face? No, because you said you said, "Are we recording?" I have a question for you. Oh, now and I don't remember said, what no, the question is. No, we have to is. pray for. Oh, he doesn't. I don't remember now, but maybe <sighs> it'll come up. I was thinking maybe a year from now I'll be the MC. <laughs> oh man, he's jockeying. I'm jockeying moving for your spot, Ken. He is. Right. Actually, Ken is our sound tech guy today for the first time. So, folks, if the Let's audio quality is recording. awful, <laughs> it's Ken's I, fault. I'll have his cell phone number in the show notes. You can call him and just you know berate him with. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm watching. There are like it is. I think it's recording. It is. Uh, oh, that's good. Know, that's good. Cause showing that would be me really sound waves. If we did so that's good. <laughs> and, and there was nothing. And there's nothing. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be good. The Paschal mystery. It's nothing. <laughs> it's a mystery. Uh, it is. Yeah, it will remain a mystery now <laughs> since we didn't capture anything. So, well, here's hoping that this records and we're all good to go. And I'm sure in Ken's capable hand. We're counting. It will. We're counting on you, Ken. That's right. So, well, welcome back, folks. Another episode of the Vici Mundum Show. We are here with uh, Deacon Dave Reeves. Um, he was on a little while ago, and we talked about bringing Christ to the workplace. Check um, out that one if you haven't listened to it yet. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, met Deacon Dave at a Curcio retreat, and uh, just an awesome guy, recently ordained. What do we have, four months? I'm in my third month now as of today. I've wow. completed two full months. Today's the 16th, right? So, yeah, two yeah, full months. Yeah. Wow. Into my third month. Yeah, it's gone by really fast. It's been quite a blessing and very wonderful. Mm. So we've got a veteran deacon on our hands now. Last time we had a rookie deacon. A veteran have- Deacon. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Last time it was like two weeks. Now we got two months. So you're, how, how many hours do you do you find? I mean, because you work full time. Yes. And you have a family. Yes. Um, so how like how how much time do you do you spend uh, deaconing? It depends on the week. This week has been pretty good in terms of time and schedule, and other weeks are very busy. But it's I love it. It's great. There's no complaints here. Uh, this is what God has called me to do, and uh, I signed up for it. So let's do it. <laughs> I do. <Ready> or not. <laughs> no, I, I will tell you the one thing that when you ask the question, the one thing I have noticed is this call to linger more and to be present to people in mm. the parish, to not rush out after something, and even if I'm not a part of something, to actually walk over there and and just be there and be present. Mm. And, yeah. Oh, that's really neat. Right. Mm. So that's, that's probably – I'm still doing a lot of the same things I was doing before, but now it's just that sense that God says you need to – you need to hang out for a while and be present. Uh, you never know when someone may want to talk to you, or just just to just to just to say hi to people's good. Yeah. So. Well, and I think the presence of the caller too is always good to have around. You know, an ordained person is is always it's comforting in a lot of ways. I know once I was uh, traveling to India. Um, and we stopped in London, and my plane was delayed, and uh, I used to get very anxious whenever I flew, and so this was a huge flight by myself. I was highly anxious, and a guy walked by in a collar. I don't know you know, if he was a priest or deacon, but he walked by in a collar in the security line, and just seeing him gave me a lot of peace that, oh, right, I'm in a place I don't know anything about, but Christ is here. You know, It's that, that comforting uh, presence, so... I think that's that's great that the Lord's calling you to that. Absolutely. It's helpful. And I am enjoying myself. So it's, it's good. Absolutely. That's good when you enjoy your vocation because 
you're stuck with it. So, uh, yeah, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking speaking of the of the collar and the black, right? That you that that a priest and a deacon wear. I think that kind of plays into what we wanted to talk about today, right? The, the Paschal mystery. Can and you tell you us mean? a little bit more about? Uh, and, and what do you mean? <laughs> oh, about that? Remember, I do the interviewing. <laughs> he's turning the around as we start yes, out. Yes. So, what, what do you think the black means uh, in terms of the Paschal mystery? Sure. So, um, I'll take a stab at it. How about that? And Go you ahead. can correct it for our listeners so that um, they have the truth in that regard. I um, I've always understood that the black was a denial of the world. Um, and and the sort of uh, sense of poverty that you take on, even though you don't take a vow of poverty, um, you do uh, um, sort of commit to a simple life, and it's and it's sort of that that uh, death to to worldly things, hmm. um, and being alive in Christ. And I always think of the the amazing song by Johnny Cash, "Man in Black." Oh, cool. um, I really like that song a lot, and I think it. Uh, it kind of speaks to, you know, he says, I wear black for all of those who suffer. I wear black for, um, you know, all the poverty. Um, and it just makes me think of the priesthood when I hear that song. But I don't know. Can you can you shed some light on that? Or No. That wasn't the answer you were expecting, was it? No, it was not. No, because I, 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 I don't know necessarily the color black in terms I, – I love your explanation. Uh, but in terms of how it relates to the Paschal Mystery, you'll probably have to take this part out of the tape. I'm going to say I don't know how the color necessarily relates to it. But there are several definitions that one could take for the Paschal Mystery. Simply put, it's the – the life, passion, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And we could get into what Paschal means, which means Passover, which takes us back you know, to the Old Testament um, uh, and the Israelites being taken out of Egypt and kind of go down that road. But what I was hoping we could do today was discuss more how we ourselves participate in the Paschal Mystery, both sacramentally and then just in the very things that happen in our life. So that's can we kind of go down that road? Yeah. Did yeah. I get in trouble, no, Ken, for no, telling you? I that's didn't actually know? no. That's actually kind of what I was. <laughs> yeah, you're in trouble, dude. Yeah, I'm yeah, in trouble. That's it. Sound tech know. guy. I'm just turning this thing off. Yeah. Now. Look, our um, schedule's booked for the next two years. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have you back. There goes that. Thanks for coming today. Yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be a five minute podcast. We'll never get aired, so that's okay. <laughs> no, I was actually thinking though of linking it in that way. Okay. Um, because if if. And okay, so that's just a theory then is that you know the black is the the death to worldly things um, because you're now totally committed and alive in Christ is what I was thinking as far as the relationship between that and the paschal mystery um, of the of the death and um, you know passion death resurrection of our Lord and then also like your um, all of us right are called to to live that out both we live it sacramentally right starting in baptism but then also um, through our own lives through death to the world and becoming more alive in christ i think a lot of times what happens is is we stay in the black Mm. and we live in the black and we we stay in the suffering mode or in the death mode if you will because that's what the world wants us wants us to do that's what the devil wants us to do and we never get to see the resurrections that we have in our life because we're not aware of them and that they exist. And we'll, we'll jump back to the sacraments in a minute, but I'll give you a perfect example. And you may have heard this in one of the stories I told at that 
C retreat that I'm not going to mention today. <laughs> you can say it, Deacon. Okay, the Crucia retreat uh, a, a couple of months ago. But, for example, the dyings and risings that we have, and, and, a, and a perfect example in my own life is my parents were divorced when I was five. So I'm from a broken family, and my parents have never gotten along to the point that they can't both be at my son's events that he's had throughout his 25-year life. Mm. So for me, I begin to find my identity in how my father doesn't love me and how I don't understand uh, why he's treating us this way and why he doesn't he's not available or would take the time that he's chosen a different life and a different family to spend his time with. And his firstborn child, his firstborn grandchild are not even in existence as far as he's concerned. Hmm. And that's what we do. We, we start to find our identity in the things that don't make sense to us, the hurt and the pain, the suffering uh, that we have in our lives. And we miss the resurrection. Mm. So I was on a, a Lenten retreat a few years ago, and I was asked to do a talk on the Paschal Mystery in my life. And it was at that moment that I realized that I'm not identified by how my dad doesn't love me, but I'm identified by how God loves me, and that God is my father. So while I may not have an earthly father that has played the role that he probably should have, I do have a heavenly father, an eternal father, um, that loves me completely no matter what. And so when I find my identity in that, that's the Paschal mystery. I no longer see life from an earthly perspective, but more so from an eternal perspective. You know, I think that's a big temptation, too, is to identify, is to create our sense of identity, or find it, rather, in the wound um, and in the brokenness. Uh, because I, I don't think there's anybody. Well, there's not anybody who uh, who doesn't have some level of brokenness in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a big motivator for us throughout our life is to try and find healing for for that brokenness, for that woundedness. And so, in our struggle to find the healing, uh, I think it's very easy to to wrap our entire identity around that, you know, looking out and saying like somebody, this is, this is my story. This is my brokenness. You know, somebody have sympathy or somebody help me, you know, looking for help, um, and either projecting the blame on others or, or just sitting with that pain all the time. And I I think that's, that's really insightful Deacon to say that, uh, that we don't get past the, uh, the death Part, you know the brokenness. Yeah, and a lot of times we're looking for healing in all the wrong places. That sounds like a a bad song, but <laughs> but we do. We look for our healing in the world instead of uh, in something eternal. It just maybe as you were talking, Austin, it made me think about yesterday. No, we're Friday, so Wednesday's readings were about uh, the ten lepers mm. and the fact that the lepers, in, in in a way, found their identity in their disease mm. because they were outcast by uh, every, everybody because of that. And in doing the homily for daily mass on Wednesday, I talked about that and the fact that in many ways there are groups, as you suggested, that can be very helpful. But if we begin to find our identity in those groups, well, that can not necessarily be a good thing because mm. we need to find our identity ultimately in Christ. Oh, that's interesting. So even like like a recovery group or something like that, or, or some sort of small group or healing group, 
that even that could stand in the way. Is that am I hearing you correctly? Or ultimately, we we have to understand the source of where everything good comes from, and so those groups are a place where we get to that help us hopefully get to the next level to understand that it's really God that's working through that group. Mm-hmm. Because there are also groups that we identify with that maybe encourage things that they shouldn't encourage, hmm. groups that aren't necessarily positive groups that we get involved in that would actually draw us away from God and can form, I guess you could say in some ways, a negative identity. Hmm. Yeah, that makes me think too of just like the simple, the, the difference between venting and trying to solve a problem, mm-hmm. right? Like, like venting, I don't think ever really does good. Um, if it's one thing to to express a problem because you're trying to work through the problem and trying to figure out the best way to handle the situation, right? It's another if you're just outputting complaint after complaint after complaint with no, um, you know, no intent to find a solution. And it's almost like that sense of of victimhood, right? Um, versus, uh, I don't know. I guess I think that Christ. He was the victim, clearly, yet he didn't make himself a victim. Right. He, he didn't say, woe is me. <laughs> well, sometimes that victimhood can turn into anger, mm. which is what I'm hearing you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, and anger is obviously one of the seven deadly sins and leads to other sins. And so at that point, we're kind of going down uh, the wrong road. Yeah. So, Deacon, I'm curious then, if how, how should we enter that death appropriately then? Wow, that was a deep question. <laughs> I think and how do we seconds or less? Yeah, how do we enter it appropriately? First of all, I think a lot of times is we have to give what's going on to God. A lot of times we want to own it, we want to take possession of it, we want to have identity with it, and we have to recognize that if we're going to get to the resurrection of whatever it is, we have to give it to God. So we have to have this willingness to let go, to recognize and to accept that we're not always going to be able to maybe get the outcome we want. Uh, maybe it's not going to go in the time frame that we would desire it to, but we have to let go of that control and give it to God and allow Him to walk us through that process. Hmm. Yeah, you know, I think that's, that's, that's kind of when I look at my own life of some of the things that I've struggled with, you know, everybody kind of has that favorite sin that they keep going to confession for. I have no like, idea what you're talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, you wouldn't. <laughs> now, I've got to, now I've got to go to confession. We now know yours, Deacon. No, I'm just joking. Um, but, uh, and so, yeah, I had mine and uh, struggled with it for a very, very long time. Um, and it really wasn't until I was honest with myself that um, that I was able to enter the death appropriately. And I think the honesty for me looked like, uh, I would say, I want this gone. I want this gone. You know, Father, forgive me and please make it go away. But then there was a moment, and this was grace, no doubt. This was God's grace kind of sh- shining light on his time, like you said, that let's really take a look at this, Austin. You know, and I cooperated with it in that moment. and uh, And what I realized was, I want it gone, but I don't want to let go of it because mm-hmm. I like it. Um, even though I hate it, there's still a part of me that, that still wants it. Um, and so in my life, the, the death kind of was actually the beautiful death was when I said, instead of, Lord, make it go away, Lord, help me to not want to want this. Mm-hmm. And and that's conversion. <laughs> and you may be, obviously, you're 
you're referring to reconciliation mm-hmm. and that that's the paschal mystery in itself where we we want to stay mired in that sin that darkness that is there uh we want we want we want the the resurrection is when we go to reconciliation and we receive that absolution that forgiveness that mercy uh from god and it doesn't necessarily completely take hold ourselves, like you said, because you want to. You're sort of cooperating, and right. you're sort of letting go of control. But it does have a washing over effect over time if you continue to go to reconciliation. Hmm. And it makes me think of Saint Peter's life a little bit um, because he he sort of he he kind of went in this back and forth. That's why I love St. Peter. You know, he'd have these moments where he's like, Lord, I'm yours, whatever you will, you know, and then moments where he, you know, he denied Christ three times. And, excuse me, and then even his, the story of his death, you know, as he's trying to, excuse me, leave Rome, and the angel stops him and says, you know, Peter, where are you going? Because he was trying to to leave Rome because he knew he was going to be caught and killed for the faith and he thought well i'll just get out of here <laughs> you know get out of dodge and uh and the angel says <clears throat> you know where are you going peter where are you going and uh quo vadis and then he turns back around and goes and dies as a martyr so even at like uh you know he he had you know he was the pope at that point he had done all these things all these amazing things for jesus and for getting the church you know going and then even in the last minute there was that push pull right like yeah. i want it but i don't want it <laughs> i mean how often in our lives is that happened to us where we're going somewhere and god said well, where are you going what what are you doing and the interesting thing about it is as we you talked about that entering in i know there have been times in my life that i was so far away from god that i couldn't even hear and so we really have to as you suggested last time, can we talk, enter into that sacramental life? Because as we do, we begin to hear the voice of God just a little bit more clearly and sometimes a little bit more loudly in certain situations uh, that calls us to move in the right direction. And that in itself is the Paschal mystery in our lives where we're constantly having this revelation that God not only wants to work in our life, but is working in our life uh, continuously. Hmm. And would you say he's working through that same kind of model of, you know, suffering, death, and resurrection? I think he can certainly do so. He can take sin and suffering and difficulty in our lives and then use that to draw us closer to him. I know for me, to give you another example of the Paschal mystery and suffering, and it wasn't a a physical suffering uh, per se, Uh, last year I was uh, diagnosed with cancer, um, uh, prostate cancer, and it was right before we were supposed to get ordained uh, a year ago, which didn't happen. And I'm going on my silent retreat, and I'm talking to a priest in confession and just spiritual direction for an hour while I'm up there on the silent retreat, and I'm telling him, I just don't feel like I trust God. This is me a year ago because I had cancer, telling him, I don't feel like I trust God. Hmm. And as it turns out, and this is the Paschal Mystery, this priest had just had prostate cancer the same year and wow. had gone through the whole process. And so he was uniquely qualified to talk to me about my suffering. And he looked at me, and this was the resurrection moment. He says, it's not that you don't trust God, 
Because that's what the devil wanted me to believe. Mm. It's that you're learning to trust God at a new level, Mm. which goes to your point. Sometimes when things happen to us, uh, it's like pruning. We, we, We bloom and we grow a little bit better after we've been pruned. In this case, that cancer uh, pruned uh, my trust in God in a very real way. Well, I love that because that, I mean, the the Paschal mystery is the greatest love story. Mm-hmm. And when you read through the scriptures, every story in its own beautiful way plays it out over and over and over. You know, you read the story of Esther and it's there. Uh, Judith, it's there. Um Jonah, in his own way, <laughs> is there of, you know, reconciliation coming back. And in our own lives, um, I think it's also a temptation to see that one moment. You know, maybe some of us, all of our conversion stories are, are our own story with Jesus and our own relationship with him and love story with him. Um, but it is also tempting to look back on the one moment, the kind of bigger moments, mm-hmm. and then to just identify with that. And like you said, not realize that he's still pruning. He's still telling this story. And today he wants to tell it again um, in a different way. Oh, that's beautiful. Absolutely. It's There are so many things. If you were to go back and look at your life and start at the very beginning and say, I'm going to really look now with a rearview mirror where I saw God, it would be incredible the number of times he was pruning and doing exactly what you're saying, Austin. Mm. And he has shaped, I know for me, my entire life um, up to this point. But if you had asked me that before I met my wife um, or before we had our son at different times in my life, I wouldn't have necessarily believed that. Yeah. Yeah. And I I always get fascinated by how much the Paschal Mystery is just in, it's, it's not a foreign thing. Right, like not just through our own experience spiritually, but just foreign to the world and biology. Right, if you work out, your muscles actually tear, right, and then they have to heal back up. So we see that there, or we see it in the growth of a child, right, that they have to struggle through learning how to flip over and then learning how to walk, and yet when they can walk, they can run. You know, there's like this life, this whole newfound life. And so we see, like, just in nature, that struggle. And almost a death and then a new life. Yeah, we see it. You just made me think of two things. It's funny how the, how the Holy Spirit works. Um, the first is, in nature, we're going through it right now. Winter is setting in. All the leaves are falling off. Um, so there's that sort of death. But in the springtime, we'll get this beautiful flourishing of leaves and flowers and, and growth that's just absolutely amazing that God gives us each and every year. The other thing that's really funny, I've been working out for the last month and a half because I need to. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm gaining weight. I'm not like you two guys. Y'all are skinny and good looking, as you said. But I, I have to work out. He was looking at Ken, by the way. And Austin at the same the time. Yeah. <laughs> I can't look at them both at the same time. <laughs> But I'm gaining weight. And so I'm like online last night looking at it. And it talks about muscle tears. And it talks about the fact that uh, when you have these muscle tears, your, your body and your muscles need more water. And so you retain this water. The same can be true, too, when we suffer sometimes, is that we're torn and broken. But, but God uses that brokenness to, to fill us with more grace, is what I was thinking as you were saying it, um, to help get us through that difficulty and then to hopefully be stronger uh, moving forward. I like that. That was really good yeah. what you said. I like that. No, I, and 
I, I like that you brought up water too, because that brings us back to, you know, we said we'd talk a little bit about sacramentally the Paschal mystery, and it starts with the waters of baptism. Right? A- absolutely. That death to the world and to original sin and then new life in Christ. And then, you know, where else do we see it in the other sacraments? You talked about reconciliation. And and obviously we see it in the Eucharist every time that we go to Mass. Um, going back to uh, the Last Supper, that we are participating in the Last Supper. I love the way Father Mike Jolie explains it. He says, every time we have Mass, uh, the heavens open up and the choirs of angels come down, and we are participating in um uh, the final supper, and so I love the beauty of that. And we we go to mass, and we're um, I know for me, uh, there's things that are going on in my week, and uh, there's brokenness and there's difficulty, and I give I put every bit of that up on the altar mm. to be a part of that that sacrifice. Mm. And uh, as we go through uh, the liturgy of the Eucharist, um, and we're walking down the aisle uh, to receive Christ. Uh, we're called to be transformed. We're called to become what we receive and take that out to the world. So that's very, very much us participating in the Paschal Mystery, especially in the Last Supper in receiving the Eucharist. Yeah. So I'm curious, Deacon, just to get your thoughts on um, on the Paschal Mystery. We've talked about death. We've talked about um, uh, kind of the new life. What does it look like to live uh, in the resurrection of that part of the Paschal Mystery in our own lives? What does it look like? Well, I will tell you that it's it's freeing. And for example, let's take your idea of reconciliation that you talked about. Do you feel more at peace with the wants that you are overcoming with God's grace? Oh, absolutely. So I think part of living in the resurrection is is living and having a sense of peace. I know for me, the things that I struggle with are being very direct, and God softens me. He helps me to see other people uh, as children of God, even in the most difficult of situations, which happens to all of us on a daily basis. We all have our struggles. So listen, living in the resurrection is, is seeing things through the lens of Christ. When you talked about uh, struggling, a lot of times the reason we, we stay in the struggle is because we're like uh, Doubting Thomas, that we, we, we don't believe that he's truly risen. And, and, and so we doubt that in our lives. We doubt that he has the power and the grace that he can give us to overcome it. And so we stay, we stay in the struggle mm. because we believe that maybe uh, either we can do it on our own or that God... I don't know, but it happens. Yeah. It's well, easy to stay in the struggle. And I love that you that you talked about the mass and bringing like everything that you're going through your whole life to the mass, right? Because that's the the Paschal mystery represented, um, and and we get to partake in that and bring it to that, and then and then that's you know God can then resurrect all of that and does resurrect all of that, and then we live in that joy of I think also just the practical joy of not struggling alone. Like Jesus is suffering alongside me. I'm not alone. I am not a personal victim with no one on my side. It, it, right? It, I may be a victim, but I have people with me. I have Jesus Christ and I have the communion of saints. Beautiful. That's absolutely beautiful. And I, as you were saying that, I just did an RCIA session a couple of weeks ago and we were talking exactly about the idea of God doesn't want just what's good that's going on in our lives. He wants 
100% of us. Good, bad, indifferent, take it all to Mass, not only praising and worshiping God, but when those gifts are carried up, give them, give them everything, because He is the one person, as you suggested, Ken, that can resurrect that. And uh, I know sometimes I'll, I'll try to grab some back off the altar as I'm on my way out. <laughs> <laughs> and so I have to come back and you know put it up there again, yeah. uh, but that's sort of what we go through that that growing and learning process. Hmm. That's beautiful. I love it. Well, I think we're about out of time. Is that right, Sound Tech? Guy? Yes. Really, I have one more story. Well, let's hear it. Okay, I got to tell my granny story. All right, tell the granny story. Okay, the quick granny story. <laughs> no, I'm real past, I can't believe we're already out of time. Yeah, okay, uh, half hour goes very fast. It really does. So here's my last Paschal mystery story. My granny. I loved her to death, and she wasn't uh, necessarily a church-going person, but she was certainly Christ to me in so many ways as I look back on her life. And I remember her telling me that when her her mother lived to 72 and her grandmother lived to 72, and she would probably live to 72. Well, I was a young kid. I said, oh, Granny, you're going to live a long time. You don't need to worry about that. Well, in November of 1991, she, uh, she came down with brain cancer. And uh, so I spent some time with her, and in February 25th of 1992, I called her. She was in the hospital, and because of her brain cancer, she could not talk where you could understand it. It was like a bunch of just gobbledygook coming out of her mouth. Mm. But on that particular evening, I said, I love you, Granny, and I'll talk to you tomorrow, and a bunch of gobbledygook came out of her mouth, and then I love you, man, right in the middle, and then a bunch of gobbledygook after that. Wow. And I called the next day, which was February 26, 1992, was her 72nd birthday, and they told me that she had died. And what I realized, um, looking back on that, is that not only was God, and this is the this is the Paschal mystery, this is the resurrection, not only was God allowing my granny to say she loves me, God was saying he loves me through my granny because I love my granny today just as deeply as I did when she died. And Mm. God has worked through her in special ways that I didn't realize at the time, but now looking back on it, uh, I really do. So that's the Paschal mystery Mm. is that even in death, um, uh, God can find a way to reach through and tell us that he loves us. That's right. because. The Lord has conquered the world, and he's conquered death. Um, we didn't is... even get to that part. <laughs> well, that's all right. It's the name of our of our podcast, Vici Mundum. I've conquered the world. <laughs> and in that, it. we can take great consolation. Well, Deacon, thank you so much for spending time with us this morning and talking about this. Um, obviously, we could talk much longer, and I'd love to, uh, because it's, it is such a great, great topic. Um, But, uh, unfortunately, our time is at an end. So, uh, folks, I hope you enjoyed this show. If uh, if you did, please share it with some friends and family. Um, The more we can spread the word, it's a very easy way to evangelize. It's just copy a link, um, vichimundum.com. The shows are right there. Uh, And you can send it out and say, hey, check this out. Um, It's great. And you never know the ways that the Lord is going to use a story, um, a sound recording, anything to to bring the Paschal Mystery more alive in someone else's life. Um, So please do share with others. uh, And um, feel free to send us an email, vichimundum1633 at gmail.com. Until next time, Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Pray for us. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the presenters alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of Our Lady of Mount Carmel Catholic Church in Newport News, Virginia, or the Catholic Diocese of Richmond. 
This podcast is presented to you by individuals who are not all necessarily experts in the field of discussion, but are answering the call of the new evangelization and sharing the love of Christ with you. God bless you.